We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live on a Saturday morning. Here today to talk about some uh, latest news from OTAs about Mr. JC Jackson. It was a fun day on Twitter yesterday. Um, and then we'll get to you know our tiering of the Chargers defensive players as well. So um, excited for today's show. Uh, we don't get to talk about a ton of super relevant news at this time of year. Uh, so today we will get to. Um, Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing this morning? Doing very well. And for all the haters, yes, I did pay $5 for this Starbucks drink. Um, you know, <laughs> sorry, I, I didn't make my own, but you have this much time to work with. So Starbucks ordered, left the gym, grabbed the Starbucks, came here. I'm here. Here we are. Yeah, nice. Uh, I mean, Starbucks is expensive now, but it like, I mean, it does the trick. Um, do you still, because you still do the vanilla sweet cream cold brew? That is correct. That's your go-to one, right? It so is. I, I like their brown sugar shaken espresso now. That's like my go-to. Mm. So you mm. should uh, kind of taste like like after you eat Cinnamon Toast Crunch, like the, the milk that you drink, uh, you know, that's what the drink yeah. tastes like. Yeah, that, so. that's probably one I should have started with because when I first started <laughs> drinking coffee, it's like, what is the sweetest, sugariest thing I could possibly get? Um, so I've kind of settled in the middle with a sweet cream cold brew. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a solid one for sure um so yeah if you're uh joining us if you're with us live uh i guess let us know what your favorite starbucks drink is and uh even hugh says he's a proud pink drink man all right there we go 
I've had a um, dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, add cinnamon to the brown sugar drink. That sounds like too much to me. <laughs> I grew up on like cinnamon and brown sugar toast with some butter. Like, oh, uh, dude, same, same. Yeah, we we shared way too many similarities. <laughs> just a few of them i mean your cousin's name is bowman my wife's maiden name is bowman just with yours has a w and mine does not so you know that's yeah fun. i need to double check that i'm actually not just 100 percent white um, <laughs> if that's the case then we're related uh yeah distantly obviously um so yeah should be oh i guess your dad likes the pink drink <laughs> so there was like a, a tiktok or some sort of thing where wives would ask their husbands to order a pinkity drinkity for them at like a Starbucks, totally fake drink. Um, so the guys would get frustrated or whatever. Ah. So uh, my dad fully believing in my mom ordered a pinkity drinkity. Um, <laughs> and they're like, we don't have that. And he's like, no, no, it's a pinkity drinkity. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, he, he, uh, he fell for it, I guess. That's a good one. Uh, sometimes TikTok can have some good trends. That's a, that's a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> your dad all right so we got the we got the whole shroom family in the in the chat today i love it um so yeah we um we'll, we're gonna start today's show obviously by talking about the jc jackson news um tyler has his video that he uh kind of edited all the clips together as well i don't know if you want to put that on the screen now but sure um well, you know jc jackson uh back at practice for the first time yesterday for our audio audience, Tyler just made a, a compilation of everything that's that's happened with his recovery. Um, you know, he's only a few, I think it's six months or seven months removed from official surgery of, of rupturing his patella tendon. Um, yesterday, back at practice doing position drills. Um, Tyler, this is, I mean, I went through the same injury. Like, this is crazy to me that he's back at practice already. Um, what are your thoughts as you see? And we didn't like nobody knew this was coming. It just like randomly the Chargers tweeted a, mm-hmm. the video out. Nobody knew that he was going to be practicing this week. Um, what are your thoughts here as we watch the video again of, of JC Jackson practicing? I mean, unbelievable, inspiring. What can I what can I say about this? It's it's incredible. Um, now I'm not saying that the guy we're seeing here is 100. percent I'm not going to sit here and right. say that this guy's going to go start week one. I'm not going to say that, but. I mean, this dude's been pretty adamant all offseason that he's going to be out there. And at minimum, he's picking off Mac Jones, but he wants to be out there week one. And I'm not going to tell him that he's not going to be out there. I mean, this is, I believe, January, this first video here where he can't even go on a bike. I mean, barely moving in January. And we fast forward and suddenly, okay, he's, you know, jogging lightly on the treadmill, but then he's adding weight to it. And then just getting to this last video where he is on a practice field running and cutting and trying to do, you know, break down and such. It's so impressive. It's it's unbelievable, the recovery so far. I don't know, you know, how much this is in line with, you know, typical recovery from this injury or whatnot. Obviously, most people aren't a multi-million dollar athlete playing at the highest level in the NFL with NFL doctors and trainers, et cetera. But I mean, this is this is beyond impressive. It's amazing that he's accomplished this so far. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to come back 100% and be better than ever. Realistically, he's not going to be as good as he ever was. 
but man, like it's just so inspiring to watch him progress through this to where he was at yesterday. Uh, I'm really happy for him, as everyone's saying in the chat. Like, I'm happy for him. Um, and it really does seem like he has this mentality, this drive that's it's infectious. It's inspiring. Him to be able to do this is it's incredible. It seems like a medical miracle. And the Chargers, again, for whatever reason, they've recovered so much faster from their injuries. Granted, I'd love for them not to happen. Yeah. But Joey coming back from, you know, his groin ripping off his bone uh, in two parts. Uh, Rashawn with his bicep injury was going to play in the postseason. JC coming back this fast. Um, can't stay healthy to begin with, but sure, they can recover really quick. So it's impressive and good for him, honestly. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like we have, I mean, obviously, I was not a professional athlete when I ruptured my patella tendon. You know, I was a high school athlete, so a little bit different. That was also in 2011, not 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, so very different circumstances, right? But like I've been through that recovery. It can get very, very grueling, very discouraging at times because you just never know. Like you might have a random bad day in there just because the tendon's not, you know, recovering a certain way. So um, we also have a, another player on the team with the same injury, and he hasn't even started running yet. That that person being Otito Ogonia. So, um, uh, Austin Johnson's was not the Patelton, right? He was like MCL or something like that. Um, I can double check. Who was the dislocated knee? Was that also JC? I think that was, yeah, I think that was JC. Um, regardless, right? Like, JC is so far ahead of schedule at this point to be doing position drills is is insane and so it just kind of shows like you're saying the mentality that he has to be able to recover from this kind of injury right away and um you know we're, we're still a few weeks away obviously from training camp i think we're officially um seven weeks out so i would imagine that we get to the training camp and they're still kind of easing him back into things but mm-hmm. you know i i've been kind of i don't want to say pessimistic more so probably i somewhere in between pessimistic and realistic about his recovery. Cause I just, I know what that injury is like. Um, okay. Austin Johnson tore his ACL. That's what Brandon Arias says in the chat. Um, so yeah, it is. I've been skeptical that he'd be able to be ready for the first game. You know, I've been kind of targeting maybe like after the bye week in my head of like when he could realistically be back. And that's not, that might still be happening. Right. Right. But with how far ahead of schedule he is like, there's a good chance that he's ready for week one. You know, like you're saying, probably not the same player that we saw in New England. It's going to take him some time to to get his football legs back under him. Mm-hmm. But this is incredible news. Like this, if he's healthy and ready to play for the season, like this is game-changing news for the Chargers secondary, right? Because this takes a, one of the most talented corners, you know, on the team and either Asante or, you know, we'll see what kind of what happens there. But you know, Asante Samuel Jr. can be a role player for them as opposed to a starter. You know, Jasir Taylor can be a role player instead of a starter. So it just gives them so much more flexibility if JC Jackson is ready to rock. And it, you know, comeback player of the year, he's not even on the odds, but like if he comes back <laughs> and he, right. you know, ha- if he leads the league in interceptions or something like that, like there's so much potential for a great story here. I'm not going to put that kind of pressure on him by any means, but yeah. Um, it, incredible to see you know we were talking about this in the discord yesterday and somebody pointed out you know it could have been very easy for jc to have gone to uh you know negative place here you know he signs Mm -hmm. a contract you know his his first few games 
are, are not super good coming off of a random foot surgery. Then he ruptures his patel tendon once he's finally getting into the swing of things. And so it, it could have been very easy for him to just be like, hey, you know what? Like, I'm just going to kind of mill it in here and, and you know, milk this recovery for for longer and just kind of take my time here. But he's come after it. He's ready to rock. Um, he's attacking this recovery with such a great intensity. And you just really love to see it. Yeah, it... It's tough because you know, I know a lot of fans were so frustrated with him last season. It just felt like the the season from hell for him, honestly. Like, yeah, what are the odds this thing in your foot's going to be a problem that needs to be fixed? You can blame him. You can blame the team. You can blame whoever. It is what it is. And then to get rushed back and you know try to play against the Chiefs, and it doesn't look good, but he has to play all the snaps. Then he's out. Then he comes back actually plays really well against Seattle, then gets hurt in a horrific way where he probably could have picked off that ball and instead it ends up being a season-ending injury yeah. uh, and a touchdown. It was kind of the season from hell, but you know whatever you think of JC or whatever you thought of JC last year, just look at the video. Look at what he's doing. And as people are saying, all in Chargers gear, it's just it's inspiring. And again, whatever you thought of him last year, you really see that this guy is he could have taken the money and run this could have been over you know he could be a problem that the chargers are already trying to trade or cut or whatever because he just quit it's over and really his career might never be the same but we're going to find out and he's he's working hard to find out what he's going to be when he comes back rather than just coast i mean i think we've all been there for like jared gaither who kind of just got his contract mm-hmm. and then just kind of loafed around and that was it now, again, I'm not saying JC is going to come back and be excellent. I hope he is. But it's not going to be for lack of effort and lack of trying. You know, we've seen Donald Butler get his big contract and then just, you know, and that was it. And it was over. And that happens a lot. And again, JC might not be great. He may never be worth that contract. But it is still inspiring to see him try to earn it as much as he can. I mean, like you said, Otito isn't out there right now. And yet we have yeah. JC running in a helmet in practice. It's incredible. Yeah, it's I, it's honestly like I, I keep referring back to my own experience and like, you know, it is some dark times of recovering because you have to reteach yourself how to do everything with your knee when you rupture your patella tendon. It's, it's, you know, it's just so cool to see him come back with this kind of mentality and, you know, going on NFL game day or NFL network, excuse me. And saying that he's going to be ready for week one and he's going to pick off Mac Jones in the game against the Patriots. Granted, that's much later in the season, but he's speaking these things into existence. And then he's coming out here and do it like he was on NFL Network before he was even practicing. I think he had like barely started running and he was like, I'm going to be back for week one. So his mentality is so refreshing. You know, we, we don't hear athletes talk about, you know, that kind of stuff when they're in in recovery mode too often. So I'm excited, man. This is going to be a great storyline to watch at training camp. Uh, We'll see how much he actually gets to do. But, you know, you talked about this last season. He was legitimately the best player on defense in training camp last year. And and he is somebody who, if he's right, can change this Chargers defense. And, like, change how we think about the secondary, too. Because Mm -hmm. at this time last year, we were all concerned about Michael Davis. And we were like trying to figure out where Asante Samuel would play. You know, who's going to get these reps? And this year, if we know that JC is ready, Michael Davis is coming off the best season of his career. Asante Samuel Jr. is, is finished the season so strongly 
Mm-hmm. Like the potential for this cornerback group is is so high if JC is right. And I think that, yes, it's June 10th, but I think Chargers fans should be legitimately excited about the potential of the secondary group with this news in mind that mm-hmm. JC has a legit chance to be ready for week one. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, it's not really a question from M. Woe here, but he's talking about how the Chargers managed JC's health pretty poorly last season. What where do you think they're leaning this year? Because there is so much pressure for this team to to win this year. They don't. Everybody's gone. It's that simple. So, you know, last year you have a lot of surprises in the medical department. Mm-hmm. Um, was that the year that Kenneth Murray was injured? Yeah, he's injured in week 18 or whatever. Had surgery. No, didn't have surgery because they thought he'd come back no problem. Yeah. And then he had to have late surgery. Mm-hmm. JC's issue that they didn't figure out or whatever. Came back too soon, got hurt. Uh, Mike Williams' injury, obviously. You can kind of argue Justin Herbert's, although Keenan's. Keenan's. So, what do you think the Chargers would do this year? Like, let's say JC is going to be 80% week one or 85, whatever, playable, but not 100%. Where do you think the Chargers lean this year in terms of getting him out there? Because, you know, it would make sense to let him have the bye, but at the same time, we've seen this team Porsche players out there because of the need to win and win now what do you think they do with him yeah so um asthma pointing out uh they did fire their head trainer mm-hmm. um they didn't fire all of their trainers so there's been that confusion that we've talked about you know they still have trainers they just don't have a head trainer right now um so they've shown a commitment to make make some changes in that regard um i, I think brandon staley's intention is always to lean on the medical staff and lean on the way players are feeling. You know, he talked about it with Justin Herbert and, you know, nobody knows their bodies better than these players. And so if Justin felt like he could play through that, then they were going to trust him as long as he could be, you know, medically cleared. So I think they should be willing to take it slow with JC. And I think we've seen that, you know, with that trend with Brandon Staley, like he's going to manage reps in training camp. He's not going to force these players to, you know, go 100% every single day. I think that's just kind of the nature of the NFL these days. So I think they'll be more cautious with him. I think they they would probably admit this too, that they learned a valuable lesson last year, not trying to rush these players back just because, uh, you know, re-injury rates can be so high with these lower mm-hmm. leg injuries. And so I, I think they learned a lesson. Uh, at least I'm hopeful that they learned a lesson that they're not going to rush these guys back when there's not anything to to – you know, maybe make them think that they were ready to be back too soon. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Next question, just out of curiosity, because it wasn't like this for the first half of training camp last year. Is there a camp competition for outside corner or is this JC? You know, assuming he's healthy. Is this JC all the way? I think if JC's healthy, he's, he's one of the guys. I think he's one of the spots. Um, I think the competition would then be Davis and Asante Sammy Jr. outside, mm-hmm. and then Asante and Jasir on the inside. Um, Daniel Popper pointing this out that Asante has played a lot of outside so far in OTAs, mm-hmm. that Jasir Taylor has been mostly the, the slot guy, mm-hmm. but that's operating without JC Jackson. So um, I think JC, if he's healthy, his spot is safe. I think they invested too much money in him. Like they've got to get him right long term as well because they still have. Four years left on the contract right like this is this is not something that can just go away you know they can they can make it work next year if they feel like they need to move on but you know he was 
he's Brandon Stadia's guy. Like he was the one that Brandon Stadia advocated most for that year. So um, I think they got to make sure that JC is right. And if he is, he's going to be a starter. And so Davis, who's a free agent next year, Sante still on a rookie contract. Just your Taylor still on a rookie contract. Mm-hmm. Those three will compete for the two spots. Yeah. And then this is totally off the top of my head. So Jack Foley asks, if the year goes horrible for JC, can we get out this offseason without a ton of dead cap? Is he the one where, as like a post-June 1st cut, it's significantly better for the Chargers? Yeah. So um, I'm just pulling his contract out just so I, I can get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, so pre-June 1st, you you don't make that cut at all. You would take on a dead cap hit of $15 million and only save four. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do it as a post June 1st cut, it's the opposite. So you take on $5 million of dead cap and you save $14 million. Basically each of the next three years, mm-hmm. you would have a $5 million dead cap hit and $14 million in savings. If you post June cut him next year. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a world right where they do at least consider moving on. But I think that if he's healthy, he's going to, he's going to make them essentially keep him around because Mm -hmm. um, if this coaching staff is still here, obviously like they have to get JC Jackson, right? Like they just Mm -hmm. have to, because that's one of the, you know, one of the biggest moves of their tenure here. So Mm -hmm. um, as long as JC Jackson is like showing flashes of his previous self, I think he's probably safe. But if it's just like a disaster, disaster, then I think they can they could consider doing a post June one cut, especially if there's a coaching change. Mm. And Michael Davis is a free agent next year. Yes, hope it works out. <clears throat> yeah, so that's a that's a topic for next year. I, I'm already thinking of like, okay, what are they going? How are they going to clear these sixty million dollars? Really, like seventy million dollars to at least be able to operate. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that's a topic for later on probably next winter so um all right tyler any other thoughts here about jc uh, jackson's return to practice nope just keep going man yes i agree we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
right, let's get to uh, the tiers. Again, we did this with the offensive players um, on Thursday night. So hopefully you guys stay uh, tuned in for that one. If you missed it, you can go and check that out. Oh, wow, we're at the bottom now. Okay, I didn't have to do that. Um, <laughs> okay, Tyler, where do you want to start with the uh, defensive players? I guess I should say before uh, we get started, if anybody missed it, the tiers here, we have our all-pro, Pro Bowl contender, quality starter, average starter with upside, average starter, role player slash backup, and then roster bubble. So last on Thursday, we started with uh, Rashawn Slater. Uh, so where do you want to start today, Tyler? Uh, let's start with another player who didn't finish. This, well, he, sorry, he finished the season, but barely. Uh, almost a season-ending injury. Joey Bosa, another player who, you know, we talked about before. I think we even last year had him at all pro level. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly that injury was awful for his quote-unquote stock, I guess, in the eyes of fans, in the league, etc. And so many other good edge rushers are starting to show up. Um, and I, I think Joey's kind of fallen in that not all pro tier to be completely honest and you know there were there was a world where okay you have khalil mack we're gonna do this it's gonna be his best season and that could definitely happen this year but now kind of like with the entire chargers team i i need to see it you got to do it whatever it is and to a certain extent even beyond the per play stats you know yeah joey's always going to be you know top 10 ish in that range on you know win rate run stop rate productivity etc but can he get 16 sacks? Can he have 80, 90 pressures like some of these guys are having? I mean, Max Crosby had 108 uh, two years ago. I mean, you know, can he get anywhere near that? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, I'm really hoping he does. Uh, so to me, Joey Bosa falls out of all pro from last year and into Pro Bowl contender. And, and frankly, until he ages up or he's just consistently hurt and we can't predict it, I think that's where he would fall for several years um, beyond quality starter. Of course, I think he's more pro bowl contender. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. There's a ton of edge rushers right now and like all pro and like the way they do a, awards are <laughs> kind of annoying. Cause there's outside linebacker and defensive end. And so like, there's a, there's a good chance that Joey does end up as an all pro. Um, you know, I don't want to recycle the same kind of takes as last year, Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he's going to have a guy opposite of him who can take a ton of pressure away from him for the first time since Melvin Ingram in 2019 when Melvin mm-hmm. Ingram was still really good. Um, so the last time we saw Joey Bosa healthy, just kind of revisit things. Um, he was seventh in the league in total pressures with 69. Um, he had 10 sacks. He had nine additional quarterback hits. He led the league in strip sacks, which is really kind of his, his calling card, if you will. Um, and then like Tyler mentioned, you know, the, the per play stats are really where Joey shines. He was fourth in win rate. Um, he was tied with his brother for eighth in pass rush productivity, which is how many basically pressures and wins are you getting on, on a per play basis? The issue like Tyler is talking about is that there's so many guys. Now these edge rushers are just everywhere you know obviously his brother there's miles garrett who's basically going to be a shoe-in for um all pro there's tj watt who should come back healthy this year um max crosby there's matthew judon who's uh i think led the league in sacks over the last three seasons if i'm not mistaken 
Um, you know, there's Von Miller should be healthy. You know, there's all these guys um, that have been drafted recently. You know, uh, Aiden Hutchinson should presumably take mm-hmm. a step forward. You know, Kayvon Thibodeau. So I think all pro is is probably a stretch for him. Like there's mm-hmm. a chance that he does end up as an all pro if he has like the best season possible. But I, I do expect him to be a pro Bowl contender for sure. I just think there's there's too many edge rushers nowadays that are also good. Yeah, I, I didn't even mention Micah Parsons, who might even be like the best edge rusher in the league. So yeah, um, there's so many good edge rushers. I have a hard time pegging him as an all pro. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly could happen, but I think pro Bowl contender is is fair for him. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so Khalil Mack did make the Pro Bowl last year. <laughs> um, I think that the statistics really did not bear that out, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's still like a, a contender for the Pro Bowl. I don't think he was like a legit like Pro Bowl player. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, uh, where do you end up on uh, Khalil heading into uh, 2023? I... <sighs> These guys almost depend on each other at this point this season, right? The ceiling of what they can do depends on each other, so... If Joey Bose is healthy, he's a Pro Bowl contender. Um, so, well, Khalil Mack is a Pro Bowl contender if Joey's healthy. You know, without him last season, some great games, some okay ones. Um, yeah, I don't know about making the Pro Bowl based on those stats. But if I'm looking ahead to this season, I would still consider him in the Pro Bowl contender category. Only because what we saw with him and Joey Bosa for all of the 2.2 games to start the season but like what do you have four and a half sacks to start the year against the raiders and the chiefs um several run stops i mean he was beyond productive he was outrageously productive to start the season and then just things kind of wore off from there but you know you no offense to them but they had you know chris rump was the other guy and then it was sort of kyle van noy who really didn't come along until the final third of the season and then he was awesome but for the most part khalil mack was by himself same story as Joey Bosa, occupying double teams, triple teams, etc. You know, being the focal point for all offenses. So, I think he's still a Pro Bowl contender, um, and they're kind of tied to each other, though. I think they're both beyond quality starters as is, um, but together they should be Pro Bowl contenders. I think that's fair. I think you know him being the only guy really for like, what would that be like eight weeks of the season? <laughs> you could tell like he was just you know, not the same kind of effectiveness without somebody, you know, taking pressure off of him. So um, I think both of these guys could certainly put up, you know, top tier numbers. I mean, Khalil Mack last season, excuse me, as I hit my microphone, um, you know, he ended up uh, tied for 16th with Theatric Wise and pressures. He only had 56 pressures last year, um, you know, eight sacks, five quarterback hits, his win rate, um, was pretty on par with um, what he was in 2020. You know, obviously mm-hmm. in 2021, he had his uh, foot surgery. But that's something, too, that, you know, Gibbs Smith talked about is that at this time last year, Klumak was not practicing. You know, he was recovering from that foot mm-hmm. injury still. And they really kind of had to ease him into training camp. So now he's healthy. He's been training all offseason with Coach Ed, um, you know, and, mm-hmm. and he's going to be in LA all summer long, you know, working with Joey, working with Morgan Fox and everybody. Right. So potentially we could be looking at more production from Khalil Mack just because he's going to be healthier, Mm -hmm. you know, throughout the whole off season. And then, like you mentioned, you know, 
Joey Bosa does this thing where he kind of alternates healthy years. So theoretically, this should be a healthy year for both of them. Yeah. And we could see both of them, you know, put up numbers that we haven't seen in, in some time. But you let this off, you know, like we have to see it first. So I think yeah. having both of them in Pro Bowl contenders is fair. I think if both of them play the same amount of games, I would say I would probably predict Joey to be more productive and mm -hmm. have a better, like more solid case as a Pro Bowler. But, uh, you know, I definitely envision Clue Mack getting votes, being an alternate if he stays healthy is kind of like the worst case scenario. Yeah, I would agree. And even if these guys don't make the Pro Bowl or aren't Pro Bowl contenders, I will say like maybe specifically just Khalil Mack, his value does go beyond the stat sheet in the Pro Bowl. Like, there is something to the leadership of it. 100%. You know, he seemed to rally guys last year, rally the defense. Hey, we're going to go out to dinners. We're going to bond. You know, I'll pay for the dinners. We're going to go to Mastro's or whatever it was. Um, which, hey, that would make me work hard, too. If someone, pays my, <laughs> if someone wants to pay for my Mastro's dinner, hey, man, I'll go take on Lane Johnson. Um, no, I wouldn't do that. But, you know, even if you don't, it doesn't make it, you know, their, their value goes beyond, you know, just the stat sheet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Joey talked about it. You know, it would, he doesn't come to OTAs without Khalil being here already. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's a major thing as well. We know how good he is in run defense. Um, I know that like he wasn't necessarily super productive when it came to run defense, but you know, he was uh, one of the highest graded run defenders on PFF. You know, he was just so solid on that opposite edge that, you know, he was always, you know, setting the line back there. If you really watch the film, you see a very quality run defender as well. Um, all right, let's get to the rest of the edge rusher room here. Um, Thule is down there on the bottom, right? Let's get Thule on the board. Um, you know, when we did our uh, rookie superlatives, I pegged Thule as the uh, most immediate impact. Mm -hmm. I'm very bullish on him this year. Um, the Chargers and Giff Smith are very bullish on him this year. But uh, where are you at? Where would you place him here? Um, you know, we had Quentin and Josh Palmer both as average starters with upside from the receiver room. I feel like that's where I would place Thule. But um, what about you? Where would you place him? Yeah, this is interesting. I for some reason I didn't think of him before this and where I would tier him. Because like do we know that he's an average starter, but he's not a role okay, he's beyond role player backup. That's ridiculous. Yeah, cuz he's going to he's going to play a key role for them, yeah. Absolutely. Um but is he an average starter? Like what does an average starter entail? I do think because I I think they found something great here. I would agree that he's an average starter with upside, but I lean towards more that being the upside part than maybe the average starter part. Just you haven't seen it. And I think that I think Quentin Johnston's role to make him an average starter is is clearly maybe more clearly defined in this offense because of Keenan and Mike. Like there's a kind of an obvious role for Quentin Johnston here yeah. that can allow him to get touches or manufactured touches, regardless. Thule, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, there is a role. There is a role, but I don't know how much it's going to be. And does that make him an average starter? Like, is his role going to place him in the category like Quentin Johnson, where he can be an average starter with upside? I think he's an upside backup. Um, I don't mind him an average starter with upside, but I, I, I hesitate more on the average starter part for now, especially because he's so young. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're talking about a 20-year-old player, um, which is crazy to me. <laughs> um, 
so he um like he's not technically like a starter right because he is going to be edge three um but we've talked about on this show previously you know that the edge three plays a lot of snaps like they're and then if anything happens like he is going to be a starter so I think having him in the average starter with upside category feels right to me because mm-hmm. like he's going to play a lot for this team. Giff Smith talked about like the third down packages that they already have created with him in mind. Um, so I, I think this feels right. Like I think he, I would put, I would have put uh, Kyle Van Noy in like the average starter range last year. And I think the Chargers can get more out of Tui this year than they did Kyle Van Noy on the edge last year. Ooh, okay. That's a fun one. That's a fun one. I don't mind that. Um, probably more of like a 17 game look. Than also like, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, As Kyle Van Noy, like to his credit, right? Like he was playing linebacker, like off ball linebacker <laughs> all off season. Yeah. And then Joey gets hurt and they're like, hey, you played edge before. Like you want to go back and do that? And it's <laughs> like, well, I mean, do I really have a choice? Like, yeah. you know, so to his credit, like, of course, you know, it's going to take somebody like him, you know, some time to ramp up with things. And then he also talked about he had a, a back injury in there as well. Mm-hmm. So Tuli's going to come in right away. I'm an edge rusher. You know, I kick inside from from time to time. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to design some like easier looks for him too, from stunts and things like that. So I like I would predict right now that we get, you know, let me look at Calvin on stats, actually before i like give a a stronger prediction yeah yeah, yeah. i i stand by my take about like him really producing more than vanoy did Mm -hmm. last year but i want to make sure i'm like getting the right numbers here okay so kamenoy had 30 pressures last year and five sacks i think tuli can hit i I think tuli can hit the sacks i don't know if he'll hit 30 pressures because kamenoy did you know he played a ton blitz and stuff like that played a ton i don't know if he can hit 30 pressures but i think he'll get at least I, I'd say he gets six sacks. Okay. Nice. I'm cool with that. That's hey, that's great for me. Uh, yeah. That's fine by me. Um, I think we can re- leave uh, Chris Rump where he's at. I would agree. It feels you know mean. You want to see him ascend a bit more, but um, while he did Im- improve, I think as a pass rusher, the run numbers are pretty bad. So. Um, and and I think already was like historically bad last year. Yeah, I think it's at like a fifty-three percent right now. Um, and I, I think even they admit this is probably where he would be. They continually have, and again, like this is a day three pick, so it's not like they, oh gosh, we invested a first rounder here. Um, you know, they've always tried to find somebody else to yeah. work as that third guy or compete with him. Now they go get Thule, so I think even the Chargers admit he's in the role player backup you know spot and, and that's fine honestly yeah i mean the chances of finding like a true starting edge in the fifth round it, it's so difficult um so I, I think as long as rump can kind of become like a you know more of like an isaac rochelle type who can maybe be a starter in a pinch i think the chargers will be happy with that um he's got and Giff smith mentioned this too like he's got to start converting his chances because he had yep. He had, I feel like, one play a game where he could, you know, get a tackle for loss, get a sack, and he would just miss out on that opportunity. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's he's like seventy percent of the way there on making his plays. He just has to, you know, finish the job there. Um, but yeah, I'm not. I've never expected him to become like, you know, a starting edge player for this team. I think like best mm-hmm. case scenario for him has always been as like a quality edge three. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 
All right. Do we want to just do defensive line? Do you want to do linebackers next? Corners? Derwin? Where are you at next? Ooh, let's do linebackers because that sounds like a hot mess. So let's do that. <laughs> I'm going to throw them on the board and then we can talk about it. Okay. So um, Eric Kendricks, there's a lot of excitement about him and I, and I get it. Obviously, you know, he's the the only big addition externally this year for the Chargers. Um, I would say I would put Eric in the quality starter range. Yeah, I'd um, agree. I think like best case scenario, you know, he can maybe have a bit of a resurgence and and maybe hit a Pro Bowl. But I, I think there is definitely some signs of of a little decline over the last couple of years. But I still think that he can play some quality football and be a nice starter for them. Yeah, I think that's a, a perfect spot for him. Pro Bowl is about voting, so hey, if he you know does well, great. But um, quality starter, I think, is is perfectly fine, and that's great. I'll, I'll take a quality starter at linebacker. Yeah, I think yeah. You know, People are pegging him as like a very clear upgrade upgrade over Drew Tranquil. I don't know if I would go that far, honestly, but I do think that he is he's a slightly better player. So quality starter mm-hmm. feels safe to me. Yeah. Um Kenneth you, Murray. Yeah, is go next for it. Here. I don't know. I don't know. You do it. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna make me be the bad guy. Oh yeah. Gosh. Um I guess it just comes down to like how much upside do you do we still think he has you know um there were still some flashes last year you know like the 49ers game was probably the best game of his career um he's had some interceptions that have been nice plays i i've been kind of pessimistic about the whole thing i just don't think that he has like the instincts to really like become a above average linebacker Mm -hmm. so for me i would i would kind of leave him where he's at honestly yeah, he he falls between C and D for me. I think role player backup, like he literally will not be that this season. Yeah, but I don't know if I would call him an average starter either at this point. As much as I'd love him to, we, we're all rooting for him, but it's just it's been so inconsistent. Maybe it's play, maybe it's injuries, etc. So I'm fine leaving here, leaving him here at average starter. But I, I think he's more of a D plus. I think on this tier, but there, you know. He's not a role player at this point either. Yeah, I think if they had brought Tranquil back and signed Kendricks, then obviously that you you change where you're designating him. But there's a chance that Deion Henley surpasses him in the lineup and, and by season's end does become a starter. Mm-hmm. You know, he's making some impact plays in OTAs. He's impressing the coaching staff with how he's handling the transition to the NFL. But we still have to see that. And I still think that they want to make sure they can at least give Kenneth Murray a chance to have one kind of final say in his career. So yeah, I think by pure definition of his role, he's a starter. Um, but I, I think like if the room were maybe a little bit better, then he would we could move him down a tier. But yeah, I just don't know if any of these other guys are like legitimately cases to start over him from yeah. day one this year. Yeah, I'd agree. So that puts Deion Henley at role player backup. Yeah. I don't think the other two linebackers are roster bubble guys, but they also don't see the field. So I don't know. Where, where do you feel about I feel like these <laughs> I feel like these two guys are, are tied together. So I yeah. guess I guess they're role players and backups, but they also don't play on defense. Yeah, they're great special teams players. Um mm-hmm. and I wish I wish Neiman would have a chance because I feel like I Me too. have really liked what I've seen and you know, he's very athletic. And so, um, yeah, I wish we could see more of him, but 
Mm-hmm. I, I think if we had like a special teams tier, that's where they would be. But yeah, they're gonna make the roster, so I think leaving them here makes sense to me. Okay, that's fine. Um, so Jose brings this up, you know, like let's say best case scenario for Dayon Henley. When do you think they would start him over Kenneth Murray? Like, what point in the season would you be like, okay, like let's make this change? Yeah the the bye week is definitely a convenient you know thing for us to say, okay, this is when the transition could happen. I think it's later in the season than that. Um, I don't, I don't know, because on the one hand, you know they're moving on from Kenneth Murray. They didn't pick up the fifth year option. They've literally tried every year to find another linebacker to be that guy. But I don't know, like like Telesco's comments about Henley are like, yeah, he's gonna play really good special teams for us to start, and maybe he can contribute on defense too. It's like eh, that doesn't sound like you're you want him out there as, as a true starter just yet. And I, I do feel like they feel much better about Kenneth Murray than they do Jerry Tillery. Um, but in both cases, there's no way you could have picked up that fifth year option. But I, I think they really do want Kenneth Murray to still work. So I don't know. I think it would be late in the season, or Kenneth Murray would have to get injured for this to happen. I don't know if Henley's replacing him early by like week five, for example, unless there's an injury. Yeah. You know, there's contract here for Kenneth Murray. We've seen players, you know, come in with great mindsets in a contract here. We've seen him uh, kind of attached to the hip of Eric Kendrick so far. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe there's a chance that K9 just flips the switch this year, but Dan Henley seems like the exact linebacker that Brandon Staley wants to start with his defense. You know, mm-hmm. he can rush the passer. He can cover, you know, run defense is, is a bit of a concern in terms of his size. But, you know, it's it's just kind of it almost feels like a matter of when, not if, with Dan becoming a starter. Mm. Um, with Tillery, like they had a bye week right at the midway point of the season. Right. And so they had seven weeks where he was kind of like a, a sub package rusher along with Morgan Fox. The two of them are kind of splitting that role. And then at the bye week, that's when they started to say like, Oh yeah, like we're going to, you know, give more snaps to Morgan Fox. Of course, injuries certainly played a uh, part in all of that. Um, but then the week after the bye came and that's when they waived him. So the bye week might help Kenneth Murray this year, have a, a bit of a longer leash than, than to the mm-hmm. Like you said, I think they feel better about, murray's 2022 season than they did hillary's 2021 season yeah i would say so they've also with the last couple of years with someone like mckitty with palmer they almost did it with jt woods and then spiller there was really a point like midway through the season where those third rounders started getting some reps um, really kind of ignored the first half of the season and then suddenly right around the bye and partially because of injuries you know spiller starts to see some reps um Kansas City games when JT Woods had the most snaps of the year. Although, again, I think that might have been... I don't know, because Adderley was healthy that game. I don't know. I, I just think that they're going to wait a good half of the year before Henley starts seeing the field. I think you'll see a couple of rushes, because he can like he can do that. Regardless of how he develops as a run-stopping linebacker, there's a lot they can do with him as a rusher. So I think, like, middle of the year, he's played a lot of special teams. You know, Hopefully he looks good in that role. If he looks good, Okay, we'll start transitioning towards getting him in on some plays. 
But then how long does that take to him to become a full starter? Eh, I don't know. Right. So I think think Henley maybe starts to play a little bit more. Maybe we see... Because Chris Rumpf, his rookie season, I feel like they would give him like five snaps a game, ten snaps a game to like start the year. And then same kind of thing, like halfway through the season, they started almost out of necessity because Chenna missed some games, right, that they had to play him some more. Um, So Dayon, I think, probably plays like a decent amount early and then we'll see kind of where he's at but i think murray's gonna play like he'll have a role i don't think this is gonna be like a flat-out benching at some point i, I still think that they would let him yeah. play at least somewhat so mm-hmm. you know, i don't think he's ever gonna be like truly like a zero snap guy or healthy scratch or something like that mm-hmm. I, I think both of these guys would be playing by end, end of the season do they make him play special teams no, because Dayon and Eamon and Neiman can do all that. So, I mean, like, if Henley takes over. Oh, if, Hen- if Henley becomes full-on starter? I don't know. Murray's never played special teams. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So, do we end up getting to... I guess you can't cut him mid-season. I guess you could. I'm just curious, like, okay, if that's your plan, what, you know, to switch week 10 or whatever around that time what is the plan for kenneth murray at that point if he's not playing special teams and you've already committed to henley and you've basically said yeah we're moving on do you just cut or trade him at that point like dial up the colts and say hey gus bradley how you doing you remember kenneth murray um (laughs) i don't know because if he's not if he he hasn't played special teams i don't think he played special teams as a rookie did he no because he was a full-on starter right away I'm going to double check how many special teams plays. I don't think very many. Um, yeah, NFL is lit pointing out. Tranquil stayed playing on special teams even when he was a starter. That's very true. Um, and a first rounder, though. Yes, that is correct. So I think they would keep him and just maybe like play him on first downs and let Henley be kind of the second, third down, fourth down linebacker. Mm-hmm. But. Maybe he kind of becomes like that. Remember when Denzel Perryman was like only playing on first downs? Yeah. Like Thomas Davis, uh, I think, was like the guy. And um, was that Kaiser's year? No, Kaiser was still kind of a bench player. But uh, I that was 2019? Or maybe it was 2020 when uh, I can't remember. Well, 2020 say- is the year where Drew was going to be the starter. Then he played two snaps, and then suddenly Denzel had to become. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The starter, That's, so maybe it was 2019 then. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I, I, I think they would still find a role for Murray to play on defense at least somewhat. Okay, so Kenneth Murray played 99 special team snaps, about 21 and a half percent in 2020. So mm-hmm. okay, he's played more special teams than I thought. Yeah. Was that what unit was that on? Does it say? Uh, no. I would just I'm just looking at Pro Football Reference. And then did he play the following year on special teams? Am I just going to be wrong? Like he's been playing this whole time and I didn't know. No, because he played one snap on special teams in 2021. So he's played 99 his rookie year, one in 2021, and 22 last year. Look at that. So, uh, yeah. Those were the snaps from this year were all punt return. Mm. Uh, and field goal block in 2020 has had 81 snaps. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, he's not like 
taking on a huge role by any means. Okay, um, let's move on next. Um, let's do Sebastian Joseph Day in the defensive tackle room next. Okay. Because I feel like they're easy. Throw some guys up here. Is Sebastian Joseph Day even on there? Did I forget him? There he is. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we forgot Morgan Fox. Yeah, which is hilarious. He should be on there, though. though. He yeah. should be on there now, though. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, oh. Nope. You might have to exit and refresh, maybe, but that might because no, we'll lose all this. Yeah, I ain't doing that again. I, okay, I promise Morgan Fox is on there. We'll pretend that we'll put him in the quality starter tier because I think that's where he's at. I agree. Um, Sebastian Joseph Day, I. I don't think he's a pro bowler because he doesn't rush the passer. Like that's just too much of an ask. Um, so I would say Fox and Joseph day would each be a quality starter right now. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I lean towards Fox having a stronger role and presence, but yeah, I think Sebastian Joseph day is a quality starter. Yeah. And so just imagine that Morgan Fox is right there next to him, I guess. <laughs> Cause you, you know, you're not saying that Fox has a pro bowl contender, right? No, no. Cause I don't even think, I mean, that'd be great. I don't even know if he'll have the snaps to do that. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Fox, quality starter and Fox. Thank you for the <laughs> clarification there. That makes sense. Um, okay, Austin Johnson is the interesting one here for me. Mm -hmm. um, coming off of his ACL injury, where would you place him? Again, doesn't really rush the passer, but he did, he is a better pass rusher than Smash yeah. and Joseph Day, I would say. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this is... He's older as well, coming off the injury. Where would you put Austin Johnson right now? Yeah, assuming some good health uh, and good fortune, I think, honestly, I know I said the last stream or stream before or whatever, I, I think he was the best player, uh, a defensive lineman that they had until he got hurt. So I, I actually consider him average starter with upside because I think that he can play both the run and the pass pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'd say average starter with upside. I don't think he's two tiers below Sebastian Joseph Day. No, and I I agree. I thought that he was better than Sebastian last year. So mm -hmm. it, it's just the health status, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the upside is that he gets back to his former self. Um, but, you know, there is obviously some risk with his age and his injury. So mm -hmm. uh, average start with upside feels good for me for Austin Johnson. Yeah. Um, Otito, it sucks because he was starting to really round into form before the injury. Um we just we have not seen him at all, mm -hmm. you know, do anything, any kind of running, any kind of cutting, any kind of like position work. So there's a chance that we don't see Otito at all this year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I think we probably just have to put him as a role player backup for now. Yeah. And it was interesting because I was when I interviewed Fox, he was talking about how he wants to improve this year playing over the center. And I was like, oh. Huh interesting i'm curious what <laughs> that entails um well I, I think he's probably envisioning you know world where Thule comes in and, and he's kind of like rushing against the center on third downs maybe mm -hmm. yeah probably um but i thought it was interesting anyway yes i, I think otito is a, a role player slash backup in this case and i don't think anyone else is higher than him uh there although like if he's out for the season, because well, if he's they cut him and then bring him back, like basically, like what is? So they they probably start him on the pup list, 
uh-huh. physically unable to perform list and then move him to IR. Yeah. You know, if he's if he's not even ready. So like technically speaking, he's not on the roster, but I, I like I can't see them cutting him outright. You know, they're going to want to keep him around and let him recover and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So I for like purposes of this show, like we could put him on the roster bubble and then <laughs> change that in parentheses slash IR for Tito. <laughs> I think I think role well. All right, not well. Okay, fine. <laughs> Which sucks because like I he was playing so well before he got injured. You know, it's just it's unfortunate that he had the injury that he has, and you mm-hmm. know we just we might not see him at all. Yeah. Um, Matlock, I think we can be optimistic about, but uh, you know he's definitely a backup. You know, he's not going to play over Morgan Fox. Um, 91 is Chris Hinton. And then Gerard Clark is is there as well. So, you know, with Otito's future uncertain, I still think Chris Hinton's the better player. But I think there's a chance that Gerard Clark uh, does make the roster because he's a bit more of a run defender type than Chris mm-hmm. Hinton is. Yeah. Yeah, that works for me. Uh, I forgot Nick Williams, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Nick Williams, that's the '97 in the Bears uniform. There, um, I think role player backup. That's fair. Yeah, hope he plays well in his age forty season or whatever he's at. <laughs> I think he's thirty five. I think he's gonna be thirty five in the season. <laughs> Let me look this <laughs> right, up. Right on. You know him. In, you know him and Chase Daniel like best friends. I guess that makes sense considering the who broke the news. And I think they were only in Detroit for like a year too. Or they, they might have been in Chicago, too. Okay, so he's thirty three right now. He'll turn thirty four during the season. So he's young. Yeah. Okay. Um. I kind of want to save Derwin for last, so should we do corners? Sure. Okay. So obviously we talked about J.C. Jackson and his return. Santa Samuel Jr., Michael Davis are on here. Dean Leonard, obviously, and Jasir Taylor. Uh, Jaws the one in the middle with no helmet on. Yep. That was really like the only picture that I could find and <laughs> use that wasn't like Getty images all over the place. So yeah. yeah. Um, Let's start with Michael Davis, shall we? Where are you at with him? Uh, give me... <laughs> I'll be spicy. I say Pro Bowl contender. I think he's that good. I think he was that good last year. Now, Pro Bowl contender comes down to voting. But I do think... I think we talked about last time. Is he top eight-ish in the league, potentially? He played like it. Um, and so it's a risk knowing that you know he had a great year last year, but he... They didn't even think he'd be the starter. Previous season wasn't so great. Year before that was great. Um, but I legitimately think like he plays like a Pro Bowl contender. He ain't winning it. He ain't making it. But I, I believe in this kid a lot. Yeah. Um, just filtering the the thing the right way. So he became like the true starter, obviously, after the bye week, after JC Jackson got injured. Obviously, there were some games early on in the season, but you know, if you look at forced incompletion percentage, which I think is a great statistic to see really the impact the player is making on a game-to-game basis, 
you know, and you filter it on pro football focus from weeks eight to 18, uh, Michael Davis was tied for second in forcing completion percentage. And we talked about this um, throughout the end of the season. You know, <laughs> James Bradbury was the only player ahead of him. And he was tied with Sauce Gardner, who was uh, defensive rookie <laughs> of the year and had a historically good rookie season at corner. Mm-hmm. Um, over that same time frame, he had the most pass breakups. He had 11 pass breakups. Um, the thing with Michael Davis becoming like a bona fide pro bowler is going to be the interceptions. He has to get more interceptions this year. Yeah. Um, and I feel bad because like he didn't really start like we didn't really start like talking about him this way until Pro Bowl voting had ended already. Because I feel like if we yeah. had if he had been playing this way for the whole season, I think everybody would have all voted for him. Mm-hmm. So contender feels right to me. In order for him to like truly be a bona fide Pro Bowler. Um, he's got to get more interceptions, which we've seen him do in the past. You know, he had, sure. uh, I think, three interceptions in 2020 before he earned his contract. It might have been four, um, including the pick six on Tom Brady. So we we just need to see him get his hands on the football more often. But, mm-hmm. you know, the impact is definitely there of a top-tier corner. Um, you know, the PFF did top 32 cornerbacks in the league. He did not make it, which I think was a, a – a pretty bad omission in my opinion because mm. there are not 30 corners better than Michael Davis right now. No shot. Um, so we just need to see more interceptions and he can become like a legitimately like pro bowl player, but um, contender feels right. And he might be an alternate, but that still, I think qualifies here. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. He, even just by him not being on the field, you could tell you, I feel like that puts him in pro bowl contender with Jaguars game disappears epic collapse i mean and it kind of shows you how important he was and how good he is um yeah. then you know things weren't working so great in some games suddenly you put in michael davis and the defense is elite again it's yeah. kind of wild his impact last year when they really started to finally put him into the lineup so yeah I, I i don't know where we had him last year probably like average starter with upside i think that's where we had him yeah that, that would make sense which like i think that's you know not even bad either but um, no, man, I, I believe in him, and I hope he has an awesome year. He's feeling himself. Talked about how Tyree Kill was just fast, and you just got to put your hands on. I'm like, okay, um, <laughs> let's let's calm down on the Tyreek talk. But um, for those who missed it, he was on uh, Terrell Owens' podcast, which I didn't know was a thing until yesterday, uh, and said that quote. So um, the film community loves Michael Davis. The film community, I think Ted Nguyen is is kind of the the ringleader of the Michael Davis fan club, but. Um, you know, he had some, he had such strong tape at the, you know, back half of the last Mm -hmm. season, um, coverage numbers can be tricky, you know, so there's a chance that the forcing completion number does come down, but there's also a chance that the interception numbers go up. So I'm excited to see where he's at this year. I think him, you know, he, you're probably looking at him as the best chargers corner right now, heading into the season with JC's injury and uncertainty, but, um, I'm excited to see what Michael Davis has in store for, for this year. And, and he's another one. He's in a contract here. Like mm-hmm. he's going to want to come out too and make sure that he gets paid because like right now, I think he's like corner 20 on the market. You know, he has a good contract, but mm-hmm. you know, he, I, he, I would imagine he has to understand that this is his last chance at a big payday. He was an undrafted free agent. So, you know, he's going to want to have a big, big year and get a big, another big contract. So yeah, I'm excited for him to come out this year and prove that last year was, was not just kind of a lightning in the bottle situation. I hope so, man. I hope so. 
All right. Um, you want to do Asante next? Yes. Uh, so I don't know if the Chargers consider him a quality starter because apparently they don't like him on run defense. Mm. Um, I would still put him in there, though. Like, you, you, I'm sorry. You can't get three interceptions in a game and be an average. Like, there, he's almost like a quality starter with upside, it feels like. Um, I know, you know, they don't feel so great about him in run defense, but I just think what he does in coverage, the way he responds to adversity, I, I would put him here as a quality starter because if he were out there for the chargers week one as cb2 yeah i do think he's a quality starter yeah and liam asking a question about him i i do think that asante's ceiling is a quality starter um his is top five in the league i i can't get there i think the run defense thing really messed with him when they started doing that rotation with him and jaw you could tell he was yeah. just not playing the same kind of level um, you know, he's a great cover corner. He's got such good coverage instincts. You know, his ball skills are fantastic. Um, you know, I mentioned this when re rewatching the Rashawn Slater tape, you know, I, I watched the last interception that he had in that game against Devonte Adams. Like that was an insane play mm -hmm. when you look mm -hmm. at where he came from. So coverage wise, like he can be such a strong impact player but the run defense is a big concern. And if you're putting him in the slot, like that's going to be a bigger ask for him. So mm -hmm. um, there's a world where he's not even a starter on this team. Like I think people just right. kind of assume if JC is healthy, that Asante is going to be the slot starter. I don't know. Like I, mm -hmm. I think that he would be kind of become like a super role player for them in that instance and just kind of be the defense's version of Josh Palmer. We're like, okay, you need me to fill in here. I'll fill in here. Mm -hmm. I'll fill in there. You know, I'll be the six TB. I'll be the nickel corner and coverage in instances. But, um, you know, that's that's assuming a lot of things, right? You have to assume that JC Jackson comes back healthy. But, you know, I think that his ceiling is kind of quality starter. But for now, I'm comfortable with this because he is a starter. Yeah. But I'm just saying there is a chance that he's not really a starter. Yep. Uh, where would you so – we didn't really specify which. I'm assuming quality starter on the outside. Where would you put him if you were a slot guy? If he were a slot guy, I would say average starter with upside. Okay. That seems fair. Yeah, because yeah. I think the run defense is so much more important in the slot, mm -hmm. and that's a concern for me. So I think you, you kind of would have to lower him a tier that way. Yeah. Um, Kapil asking about JC playing the slot. That is something he's done briefly. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the Chargers did put him there a few times in practice and training camp. I don't think it would be a full-time thing, though, by any means, because JC is not like a quality run defender either. <laughs> so really, Mike Davis uh, is their best yeah. run defending corner at this point, which is crazy to think about from where he was <laughs> uh, back in 2019 and 2020. Yeah, I think his, his missed tackle rate just dropped significantly the last year. Like, everything came yeah. together for him. Um, JC could be the slot guy if they want him to follow a certain player. I think that, yeah. I don't think he's a slot guy by definition, but I think he's the guy that follows a guy into the slot, and yeah. then he's the slot guy. Um, yeah, so like when they play the Raiders, like, he'll follow Devontae into the slot. Mm -hmm. If he's healthy, obviously. Yeah. Because that that's the difference here between all these corners, right? Like, I don't think... They never really had Davis follow last year. Like Tyreek was the, really the only guy he went into the slot for. Yeah. Just because I think there's that, you know, pause. Callahan history. was hurt too. Yeah. Yeah. Callahan was hurt that game as well. So, um, JC, I feel like 
It's a little dicier, but at minimum, yeah. he's an average starter with upside. Yeah, I think that's a, a fine place to put him because, I mean, yeah, the upside is <laughs> leads the league in interceptions. Yeah. Um, in theory, the upside's higher than anybody else here, but right. um, we need to see him be on the field. So, yeah, I think average starter with upside is fine. I think he can clearly go well above that. Um, and I don't. I think his floor is high if he comes back healthy. Like, I think his floor should be solid. Um, I think this is fair. Average start with upside seems fair. Yeah, I just I need to see him play. Like, I, I great news, like we talked about today, yeah, to start the show. But until we see him actually like get back on the field, I think this is probably where we have to put him. Mm-hmm. And then Jaw Taylor, average starter. Yeah, average starter feels right. I think. The upside is that he moves up to average starter with upside. I don't think that's enough for me to put him there already. Yeah, that's fine. And he was, I mean, after JC, Jaw Taylor was crushing camp. Uh, one, of the, yeah. one of the three, four best players. Definitely one of the three best players on defense. So excited, man. Uh, I never would have thought Jaw Taylor year two, over, like even last year, just taking starter snaps. But um, in year two, taking the slot corner, that's awesome. You got three more years of this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And Jaw Taylor has been making an impact at OTAs too. So mm-hmm. um, I agree with Liam in the chat. You know, if JC is healthy, this corner room is is fantastic. Um, the safety room, uh, <laughs> which is much less so. Um, people were debating earlier in the chat, like, which is the weakest position group here. Uh, it's absolutely the safety room, in my opinion. Um, yeah. so again, I, I kind of want to leave Derwin for last year. So mm-hmm. Alohi, I think we could put at worst an average starter, but I, I kind of would put it in our, and make an argument that he would be an average starter with upside because we've seen how productive he can be around the football with turnovers and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Run defense is, is generally very, very fantastic. Um, so I would put him in the average starter with upside tier, but what about you? I will do that as well based on projection, not based on previous play as much. Um, I do think he's kind of almost by definition so far been an average starter uh, last year, but he continues to ascend. So I, I do think average starter with upside is fair. Um, is he the fastest guy? No. Like, is he the most athletic guy? No. But I think average starter with upside is fair because there are moments where, you know, he is an average starter. And then there's moments where he's covering Tyree Kill down the field. Yeah. Uh, and it's beautiful. So I think that upside is there. Yeah, I agree. Um, Lane and JT Woods probably have to be put in the role player backup category. Uh, if they were like a backup with upside category, I think we could put <laughs> JT there. <laughs> but we've talked about for the last few weeks, we, we literally did not see him at all last year. So we just, we don't know. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about Dean Leonard. Yeah, I totally forgot too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oops. Anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, like JT definitely feels like a make or break season, honestly. Mm-hmm. So we got we got to see some uh, see some improvement this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, last one, Derwin James. We have nobody in All Pro right now. Yes, so Derwin was a Pro Bowler last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't an All Pro though, right? Or was he? No, I think he got like one vote or something, but yeah. that was it. 
That's right. Because they had like Minka Fitzpatrick and Hufanga were the first team I remember. Mm. Um, I guess like I should Baker? look this up. 22, that'd be... Buda Baker and somebody. Who's he? Who's, who is he? Their safety. Chat, help us out. I'm looking on NFL.com. <laughs> First team safeties were Minka Fitzpatrick and Talanoa Hufanga. Mm-hmm. Second team safeties. Oh, this says Derwin did make it. Oh, I thought Why he just I had. Yeah, I thought he was just a pro or last year. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I, I swear he had one vote in this category last year. I I <laughs> thought he was just a pro bowler last year. Yeah, pro football reference only has him as a pro bowler. Well, uh, I guess they only have it. They only have a thing designated as. Okay, so he was second team all pro. Okay, now I see. Okay. So Derwin James has a first team all pro to his name as a rookie, which is crazy. And then second team <laughs> all pro last year. Okay. Because I always look at pro football reference and I only see like the star next to his name. I never yeah. see the plus. Uh-huh. So they don't have a plus designation for a second team. So that's yeah. that's just kind of been my confusion there. Gotcha. Um I think Derwin James is clearly an all pro man. I think he <laughs> um he should be, you know, talked about as at worst like the second best safety in the league. Like I think Mika Fitzpatrick and him just kind mm-hmm. of jockey for that first and second spot. Sure. Um, Talano Hufanga last year was kind of a flash in the pan, just had like an epic season. So I understand mm-hmm. why he was the choice, but you know, this this there's this like talk on Chargers social media that Derwin's like not worth the contract, which I've never understood. Mm. Or that like the Chargers defense was better without him when he was injured last year. Like I, I I don't understand how you can watch the Chargers and think they're better without Derwin James. Like he is such a rare player in this league. I think best player on the defense by far. Um, somebody that I feel comfortable with on a week in and weekend basis of of being an impact player. You know, we saw him cover DeAndre Hopkins one on one. He can cover Travis Kelsey. He can be an edge rusher for them, as we saw against the 49ers and Falcons. He was like their second best edge rusher in those games. Yeah. So I think Derwin's pretty clearly an all pro. Um, we got to get my guy some help, though, because, you know, we're talking about three tiers between him and the next safety. So um, need some help for Derwin, but he's he's very clearly an all pro player. Yeah, I, I agree. All pro player. Fine by me. If he's not first team, fine. But I think he, he hovers in that range. I can't name you know, three other safeties, four other safeties that are better than him. Um, yeah, he's fantastic. It's always, it seems to me, unless it's Joey Bosa, it's like, okay, defense stinks. Oh God, here we go. Oh, Derwin James did something awesome. Great turnover. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, there's just so many moments last year where it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like Derwin James is still that guy. Yeah. I feel like he makes fewer of the impact plays, I guess, like on a broadcast where when you're watching, it's like, wow, look at that tackle for a loss. And, you know, like, I don't think he maybe has as many of those sort of like the fan to watch during a game. But the roles that he plays and what he does otherwise, um, I think are, you know, show his value and what he can do. Again, yeah. edge rusher, blitz from the A-gap, slot corner, outside corner, whatever. Like, he can do whatever you need him to do. 
Yeah, and Derek Ansley's talking about him taking more snaps in the slot this year, which I think that's is hot. super, super fun. And <laughs> you say that's hot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, like, I can understand why some people would think, like, oh, like, the defense might be a little too complicated with him moving around. Like, I think in an ideal world, like, I don't want Derwin playing back. You know, I don't want him being in a too high shell safety. I want him around the football more. Yeah. And so that's why I want, like, another safety in this room that I can trust. Because then Derwin can just be around the box, be around the line of scrimmage. And I think that's like where you'd really start to see him. It sounds so weird to say like you see his game unlocked because he's a two-time all-pro safety. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think you want him around the line of scrimmage as much as possible and just causing havoc. Mm-hmm. So um I wish there were another safety that we could trust behind him because you know, him around the football is just so much fun. Yeah. You know, he can be a coverage player for them too. Like we talked about, you know, when he got that interception against DeAndre Hopkins, basically saving that game, um, which is really bad. Um, <laughs> you know, covering Travis Kelsey is definitely an uphill battle, but he's like the only guy in the league who can really handle him one on one, you know, on, you know, a, a, a decent basis. So um, Derwin's so, so good. You know, he's mm-hmm. the heartbeat of the defense. He's probably the face of the franchise, you know, in terms of like, how they market the team so derwin i think is is easily the most important player on defense yeah and i would say brandon staley's favorite player on the team i, I would mean, agree with Her- that. herbert saves his ass but you know yeah. definitely favorite player on the team yeah no i agree with that i like how um <laughs> kellen moore the other day like in, in the mic'd up session he's like yeah he's like that fucker derwin james is so smart yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, derwin's smart he's really smart he was yeah. just talking about the way he – I don't know exactly what the play was, but he wouldn't take the bait on whatever it was, and he would know that this was coming. So, yeah, that, that, that's fun to hear. Yeah, and NFL is pointing out, too, like the defense looked better in those games because they were playing shit offenses. <laughs> like we're talking about the Nick Foles-led Colts offense without Derwin James. Like let's let's calm down a tad. Yeah, it's interesting discourse around the, the last third of the season where it's like, look at the defense resurging. And I sat there, and we were like, nope, nope, <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Um, you know, like, and I hate it. I hated it that you see against the Jaguars, you know, because in the first half, everyone's like, wow, wow, well, maybe the defense is really good. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, the defense, excuse me, the offenses that they played, I mean, Baker Mayfield Rams, yeah. Nick Foles Colts. I mean, the game against the Dolphins was great. Don't get me wrong. Um, that was the yeah. one where it was like, that was the game that made me think like, okay, like the defense can maybe really be something for them. Yeah. But I wasn't like putting a ton of stock in those Colts and Rams games at all. Yeah. And then uh, Tannehill hurt his ankle the third play of the game. Right. That's, I mean, it's Tannehill in general. They literally could not throw the football for a quarter and a half while Tannehill yeah. was injured. Yeah, and they still almost won. <laughs> <laughs> they had the, a great battle against Derrick Henry, I will say. They did. Um, yeah. But it like it wasn't like they were playing, you know, vintage Titans by any means. No. So at some point we'll we'll have like a real conversation of like really what are expectations for this defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think once we get the training camp, we'll be able to see like who is really kind of you know healthy and, and whatnot how they're looking against you yeah. know the, the saints in practice will help us a lot too even though the saints are not like an elite offense by any means but um yeah all right 
Tyler, any final thoughts on the tiers here? Uh, nope. Uh, you know, I went into this thinking that there'd be a bigger gap between some of these, you know, all pro probable contender versus the rest of the roster. Yeah. But I, I think when you really look at it, yeah, the, the Chargers do have more talent, I think, than I gave them credit for a couple of days ago. Yeah, I would say I feel better about the depth on offense than I do the depth on defense. Oh, that that is for sure. Like 100% because you have guys like Josh Palmer. You have guys like, you know, Jordan McFadden's a rookie, right? But we feel good about him. Mm-hmm. You have Donald Parham. Like the depth difference is is huge. But like star talent on both sides, I think there's there's plenty of star talent on offense and defense. Yeah. What? <laughs> Interesting take. What are we looking at? Oh, I, I misread a, a one of the, the takes in the chat. That's mm. okay. That's my bad. Um, so yeah, this has been fun. I I, re- I hope you guys have enjoyed these uh, last two episodes because I, I love seeing like really where these rosters stack up. Um, you know, we we always talk about like where oh the Chargers have you know a great roster. They have a lot of talent, but like categorizing them like this, I think is is very important. And then you know being able to verify the depth too. So. Um, yeah, it was a fun one. All right. So uh, our next episode is obviously going to be on the Chargers feed. Uh, that's going to be on Tuesday. Um, we're going to be talking about some uh, free agency rumors this late in the in the cycle. So mm. um, should be fun one, you know, talking about Mr. DeAndre Hopkins, who we mentioned a couple times today, Dalvin Cook and some other ones that could be out there as, as potential targets for the Chargers at this point in the season. So. Um, stay tuned for that one. And then we'll be back with our regular show on Thursday after that. So thanks so much for guys for tuning in. As always, if you are listening, make sure to leave us a rating or a review. Really appreciate that positive feedback there as well. That's it for today. As always, bolt up. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.